0: All right, welcome everyone to the Ben and Corey podcast. I'm Corey Novotny.
1: And I'm Benjamin Carlson.
0: Special welcome to those of you who are tuning in for the first time. And huge shout out to our veteran listeners for continuing to check us out and hear our sports takes.
1: That's right, Corey. We are officially a five-star rated podcast on iTunes. We have a lot of fun recording the show. So thank you for providing the support. And we hope others continue to rate and subscribe.
0: So with that let's get started.
1: For the third time in four years, the Golden State Warriors have been crowned the NBA's champions. We recap their four-game sweep of the Cleveland Cavaliers, debate this Warriors dynasty's place among the greatest teams of all time, and make our early predictions for next season, including where LeBron James will be signing this summer.
0: After decades of playoff failure and disappointment, Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals have finally won their first Stanley Cup in team history and the first championship for a D.C. sports team since 1992. We'll talk about their finals victory over the expansion Vegas Golden Knights and predicted which championship starved city will be the next to break their long run of sports futility.
1: The Warriors and the Capitals aren't the only sports entities to win major championships this weekend. We'll talk about Justify becoming just the 13th horse in history to win the Triple Crown after his victory at the 150th Belmont Stakes and Rafael Nadal winning the French Open for an unprecedented 11th time.
0: And in honor of Father's Day, Ben and I debate our favorite TV dads in today's Top 5. so let's start things off with the nba finals and uh tell me if you heard this one before the golden state warriors defeated the cleveland cavaliers to win the nba championship
1: three times out of four ain't bad i mean this is this is the definition of a dynasty uh and and all credit to the warriors i mean obviously um, nobody just walks in and wins it, but it definitely this one feels l- like maybe the least climactic one of it all. Uh, I think most people would have said or picked the Warriors to win it from the beginning of the season, uh, and for good reason. I mean, they're absolutely stacked. Um, these this postseason was highly entertaining, uh, but the finals were a little bit underwhelming in my opinion.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I think the amazing thing about this Warriors team is I don't. I wouldn't say that they're the the best warriors that we've seen of this bunch since uh Steve Kerr started coaching them they started winning these championships with Curry, Thompson, Green and now Kevin Durant. Uh but I still think they were maybe not easily the best team in the NBA, but they were without a doubt the best team and there was there was very little uh thought that they were not going to win this finals and the fact that they were able to sweep the Cavs uh wasn't pretty almost lost game one uh but after that everyone knew right away the series was over
1: yeah and what a way for game one to go I I think that the I mean you would think that the Warriors would win game one at home but the way that the Cavs lost uh just mentally you knew that they were broken after that and it was just going to be the Splash Brothers raining down and Kevin Durant doing Kevin Durant things. Like it was just, uh, almost a foregone conclusion after game one, uh, at least from a, uh, mental standpoint. So it, it, it like, after that, I felt like each game got a little less exciting. I, like after game three, I just, uh, you could just tell these calves knew it was over.
0: Yeah. It game, the game one loss is to me, it's unbelievable Because going into that series, I didn't think there was any chance that Cleveland was going to win a game at Oracle. I thought if they were going to get one, it would be game three or game four at home in Cleveland. And to have them winning most of that game, end of the, you know, four and a half seconds left and George Hill misses the free throw, only to have Jarrett Smith grab a rebound and just dribble out the clock because he didn't know that the game was tied. It just... Kind of unfathomable how how that sequence of events could turn out, and just the way that that game, not ending in regulation from there, having to go to overtime. The the Golden State Warriors just dominating Cleveland in that that five minute period, and from there it was you you realize it was over. Well, uh, it,
1: you, and then from there, LeBron James allegedly breaks his hand, yeah. and suddenly <laughs> the whole series is shot.
0: Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think regardless of whether or not LeBron was actually suffered any kind of serious hand injury, uh, I think that Cleveland's chances were were completely dead in the water. It's just a matter of if they would win a game, uh, after that game one loss. In terms of LeBron the LeBron injury, I don't know if I'm totally buying that, just given the fact that he's out there doing push ups, he's doing these like uh, crazy handshake, high fives with his teammates. He, It didn't look like there was any kind of issue with his hand until after the game when he decides to make a show and put on a cast. And I don't think he really needed to do that. I don't think he needed to try to come up with some kind of excuse because I think that this playoff performance proved just how great he was given that this Cavaliers team was not very good. Uh, they were the four seed coming in and won two playoff series despite not having home court advantage, totally sweeping Toronto, beating uh, the, the young Celtics in seven games uh, after coming back from down 2-0. Uh, regardless of whether LeBron won a game or let alone the entire series in the finals, I don't think anyone would be questioning uh, his performance and what he, he was able to accomplish. So I don't know how I feel about uh, the, the whole cast thing.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I feel the same way. I, I've got a pretty good excuse for for you, LeBron. How about you had to go up against the Warriors? I mean, there's really you. You, you even if LeBron came with, uh, you know, a team that was actually talented, there's a chance that it may have not been enough. I mean, the Warriors are an, a, a crazy talented team, and uh, they deserve to have one uh a dy- to have a dynasty at this point to go down in history as one of the all time great teams which i kind of leads us into our next point uh which where where does this warrior's team fall among the greats uh so this one is it's it's a little difficult for me specifically uh because I definitely didn't watch basketball in the nineties or and see any of these dynasties myself um but I've always been told that the game changes so drastically, it's it's hard to compare. Same same thing with like comparing LeBron James to MJ uh, because the game does change a lot. But uh, I'd be interested to hear your comparison here.
0: Yeah, so I think for me, it's tough to, to rank the Warriors team way at the top right now because it's only been four years of championships. Now, I think in terms of a four-year stretch, They're statistically the best team ever uh, with their their win total. Having won three titles in four years is not something that a whole lot of other teams in NBA history have done. Uh, So I think in terms of that brief stretch, the only teams that could rival them would be the 2000 to 2002 Kobe and Shaq Lakers. Uh, And I would give the edge to to this Golden State team uh, just in terms of overall dominance and just greatness. But I think if I if I had to look at just some of the past dynasties, I would say the the top five, uh for me one A and one B are Jordan's Bulls and Russell Celtics. So the the Bulls won six championships in eight years from ninety one mm-hmm. to ninety eight. The Celtics won eleven in thirteen years. So obviously those Celtics teams won more. Uh but when they were playing in nineteen fifty seven uh all the way till nineteen sixty seven there were either eight or nine teams in the league their last two titles in 68 and 69 there were 12 and 14 but in that sense uh 20 of the league was an expansion team so i think it's it's fair to kind of bring down their their dynasty a little bit compared to to the bulls who who won six titles when there were like 28 teams in the league um but i think yeah one a and one b for those and then from there i have the the showtime lakers uh, with Magic Johnson, won five titles in the 80s. Tim Duncan, Spurs, 99-2014. to 2014. I think uh, in terms of the Spurs, the stretch of championships lasted longer, but it wasn't as much of a, a single dominant stretch. They won it in 99 and then 03-05-07 and then didn't win again until 2014. So I, I have them uh, below some of those teams that won so many titles in such a shorter stretch. Uh, and then my my number five would be uh the Minneapolis Lakers from the the nineteen forty nine and nineteen fifty four five championships led by George Mikan. but I think i would I would make the case that the warriors are the the sixth best dynasty from that perspective and could very easily if you know if they're able to keep the core together win a couple more championships they would move up to the top three i don't i don't think they're gonna win enough to catch the uh the bulls and celtics but I do think that this is a Warriors team that there is still plenty of sustainability to see them climb up in the rankings.
1: So you see this dynasty continuing then?
0: I do. I think, I think they're going to continue for at least a couple more years. I think a lot of uh, their, their chances in terms of being easily the best team in the league kind of depends on what LeBron uh, decides to do this off season as he's set to be a free agent. I think, the the Celtics and the 76ers really how they're how those two young teams are able to uh develop and mature going forward uh and you know see like with the Celtics what happens when you throw in Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and now Philly could easily land LeBron which I think would make them uh the like the one of the the better chances to actually knock off Golden State But I do think that this Warriors team is not going away, at least in terms of being a championship contender, let alone whether they're going to win, you know, three, four or five more championships, uh, at least for the the duration of their time of having some of these guys.
1: Yeah, well, because at this point, as a, I guess, neutral fan when it comes to the Warriors, I'm a little bit bored of watching them win. Now, I'm sure this is ecstasy for the residents of Oakland, but I'm a little bit just bored of the domination like i said at the beginning of the season everyone said oh the warriors are definitely going to win another title and here we are the warriors have won another title so it's it's something that i hope that we see a little bit more parody but i know the nba is not exactly known for that uh you brought up that it really matters where lebron ends up going and i think that is a nice segue into our next topic here is talking about where we think lebron james can go and you've already mentioned uh la so i and i've heard a lot about that uh uh, uh, oh you said sixers (laughs) i think it's going to be uh i think another potential is la because it's such a big market um is do you think that there's any chance lebron uh stays in cleveland
0: i i think it's very little i think you can when you look at lebron and what he did leaving Cleveland back in 2010. It was very different circumstances. Um, I think a lot of the the issue with it was not necessarily that he left, but it was the way he went about it with his whole decision TV special. But he he went back to Cleveland. He said he wanted to win a championship. He won one in 2016. So I don't think he has any reason to to stay in Cleveland from the, the fans' perspective. He already, uh, you know, it's if he leaves, they're not going to be Bernie's jersey or anything. And he's made it clear that he does not like team owner Dan Gilbert after they beat the Celtics in Game 7 and they're they celebrating with a trophy in the locker room. He very much did not acknowledge Gilbert, did not give him any kind of high five, any kind of, like, show of recognition, like saying, hey, we won this together. Uh, so I think just from that alone, he's going to leave. Uh, well, I kind of
1: feel like Cleveland didn't take good care of him. This this no, year was an yeah. abomination uh, as far as his supporting cast. Uh, you see a lot of, I mean, plenty of other teams that are doing a lot more uh, as far as roster building. And it's like, how can you waste a year of LeBron James uh, with, with by surrounding him with these players? So if anything, I, I kind of blame... Uh, Cleveland themselves they say like you didn't want LeBron James enough to convince him to stick around
0: yeah and I think part of that you kind of look at well how much of a role did LeBron play in assembling this roster you know we we'd made a big deal back at the trade deadline when LeBron shipped out uh, you know or when LeBron shipped out Wade and Derek Rose it, and it the, was yeah. LeBron yeah and he he brought in these guys and the you know George Hill, Larry Nance, um the Jordan Clarkson, they didn't end up being the the kind of game-changing contributors that we expected. They still got him to the finals, but yeah, I agree. I I think that it it would be much more difficult to convince some of the the superstars that are also on the market to come to Cleveland with him than it would be to you know take him out to LA or to Philly. And I think for that reason, it's very unlikely that he stays. I would love to see him stay because I don't think he's going to win another championship in Cleveland. And I think if he goes to, say, the Sixers, that would make them the Eastern Conference favorites uh, ahead of the Celtics, who I think would be the favorites if he decides to go out west. Um Okay, so
1: let's 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 talk about it sounds like you're pretty partial to LeBron to Philly. So what makes you think that's so likely? Is he trying to stay out of so, the West and avoid the wrath of the Warriors?
0: I think I think that is a very interesting thought as to whether he would actually want to go to the West because from that perspective, I think the Lakers and the Rockets uh if you take away the the whole like East versus West, the fact that the East is way better or sorry, the, the West is way better than the East, then I think those are two situations that are very intriguing. Houston having Chris Paul and James Harden. They'd form their own super team who I think would beat the Warriors. And the Lakers they certainly would have this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean they you know, Chris Paul got injured. Um so it I think Houston could have easily won that series if he's healthy. Uh, You add LeBron to the mix, and I think that that would definitely put the Rockets over the top when it comes to taking on the Warriors. I think if he him going to the Lakers, he's not going there by himself. If he goes to the Lakers, Paul George is coming with him, and there's a potential they might go out and try to trade for Kawhi Leonard, or even if they're adding uh, one of the lesser superstar free agents, a guy like DeMarcus Cousins. I think that Lakers team, in theory, they're the second or third best team in the West But I don't know if they would be enough to rival the Golden State Warriors. So part of me, I think that's my biggest reason why I'm leaning towards Philly, just in the sense that he'd be able to stay in the East. I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid still have a little bit of room to grow. Embiid still has some injury concerns. Simmons would only be his second year. I don't know if they'd necessarily be a team that could take down golden state this year but i do think give it two or three years he'll have the opportunity to win multiple championships and probably finish his career in philly so i think i think i'm leaning toward philly the uh the nba odds makers give him two to one chance to go to the lakers and 11 to five to go to the rockets with only a seven to two of either cleveland or philly but i'm i'm, I'm gonna go with the sixers
1: I I personally think uh, that having LeBron in LA would be amazing. Uh, especially, I like the idea of having LeBron James in the West and taking on the the Warriors directly. Because let's I mean let's be honest like it, you have to beat the Warriors to to win in the NBA. I mean you also have to beat LeBron James, but that's why we have that same matchup for the last four years. I would love to see a a new team in the finals and B, uh, you know, see them duke it out in the same conference. Having, if they could build that dream team in L.A., I know that dream teams can be somewhat volatile, and if they don't mesh well, it can end up being a mistake. Uh, But I think that the that L.A. team would be super exciting. I think the more conservative, but still really, like. Uh, still a really positive move would be LeBron to Houston. They have a great team right now. Adding uh, adding LeBron to any team makes it better, but still uh, they showed what they could do this year, and they could be right back there in the conference finals against the Warriors next year. Uh, so those two teams I think would be interesting, although Honestly, any team that LeBron goes to is going to be good. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he, he, I, I I'm sure he'll make the best decision for himself.
0: Yeah, I think the the big concern with Houston is that they would have to break up a lot of their roster. They'd have to move a lot of uh, pieces just to be able to afford him. Having considering how much they're already paying Harden and how much they would have to pay Paul going forward. Um so, that, so that's what's the one what's your are.
1: opinion on uh LeBron? I've heard people say, oh, LeBron won't care about the money because he's already so rich. Uh this is more about his legacy. Do you think there's any chance that LeBron to take some sort of like a Tom Brady uh, you know, deal so that he can have a, a you know better supporting cast? I mean I I don't know if LeBron James really want to repeat of this year.
0: Yeah, I don't think that LeBron would put himself in a bad position because of money. But I don't think that he's going to, uh, you know, like you said, take a Tom Brady style pay cut or even a Kevin Durant style pay cut. Uh, I know that part of LeBron's goal is he wants to be the first like billionaire athlete who's actively playing, and part of that does have to go into salary. He has plenty of endorsements. He has lots of lots of other money coming in. Um, but I think LeBron as is is the the most underpaid player in all of professional sports he's worth a hundred million dollars a year in terms of salary and teams can't pay him more than like 35 million um but i i do think that in terms of a financial standpoint he could he could end up in la he could end up in philly and still make the the super max contract that he would get paid so i don't necessarily think that he's going to take a cheap deal to be able to go to houston when he can go to teams that are you know maybe not quite there yet but are very capable of getting there in a year or two if it means he's going to be paid as much as he can possibly be paid
1: that makes a lot of sense so let's talk ne- let's talk next season way too early predictions yep. uh, who's going who who will be crown champion at the end of the year well 2019?
0: that really it depends on where lebron goes Uh, I think if LeBron goes to Philly, the 76ers will lose to the Warriors in the finals. Uh, I think if LeBron goes to the Lakers, the Warriors will beat the Celtics. And I think if LeBron goes to the Rockets, the Rockets will beat the Celtics. So it's very much based on LeBron because I'm saying I think he's going to Philly. I'm going to go with Golden State to win for the third year in a row. But this time still over LeBron, but in Philly instead of Cleveland.
1: I'm uh yeah I I think <laughs> at least in the finals wherever LeBron goes I like his chances I like the Warriors chances um and honestly I like the Celtics chances I think that the, the Celtics can manage their young talent well they have uh, an opportunity they can, they can open the championship window early uh potentially and maybe steal uh, a title from out from the under the noses of LeBron and the Warriors. Now, I noticed and so far we haven't mentioned this yet, but LeBron could join the Warriors, right?
0: I don't know how that would happen, but they Like are... is there a,
1: like is that like the the Warriors could potentially like drop all their best players to get LeBron or yeah, would well, it that's be the Kevin thing. Durant, like... LeBron, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, like f- just like the rest of the team, the rest of the league shouldn't even get on the court. They just hand the trophy. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's it's it's not a realistic option. Uh, I don't know what they would have to do to make it work. Um, there's 20 to one odds of it happening. And that seems like a lot. Like I, I just can't picture after all the, the way that LeBron has restored his image, um, in the minds of a lot of fans following his decision to leave Miami and come back to Cleveland. Um, I can't picture him taking the Warriors approach like it just that makes no sense to me Uh, and I don't think LeBron fans want him to go to Golden State I I don't know why the Warriors would like jeopardize like I don't know what they would do to potentially make that work I don't know how they could afford to pay all five of those guys so I yeah if
1: they do the NBA is broken but but yeah oh Before we uh move on from the NBA, I just want to say LeBron if you're listening, housing in Oklahoma City very very <laughs> affordable. We have a surprisingly active nightlife on Friday and Saturday nights and you might have to outsource your children's education because this is not great here, but <laughs> you could play ball with my man Russell and uh you know, you know how he is. So I'll 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 leave you with that LeBron. Since I know there's there's a probably good chance you're listening, um, consider the thunder. Even though the market is ash- is just too small. But yeah, <laughs> I would, Rose, we would love to have you,
0: Jalen Rose and Ben or Bill Simmons. Uh, a few years ago, made videos for every team, and uh, it was just like a an NBA preview. I think it was before 2013, 14, and Oklahoma City and Utah were the the only two teams where Jalen Rose said in terms of the nightlife you just stay in your hotel room and sleep. That's your chance to to rest up for for your next next uh traveling. So. the
1: on- the onion has a pretty hilarious article uh, back when Kevin Durant was still on the team they it was like after big playoff win uh, like the Thunder roamed the streets of Oklahoma City trying to find somewhere to celebrate and then they consider taking a road trip to Tulsa and uh, <laughs> it's 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 not very flattering but yeah. uh, and, and I know there's no chance that he joins the Thunder but I did see some pretty cool uh, Jersey edits and LeBron looks good in uh, Oklahoma City blue I I'll say that. Yeah, I
0: think the Thunder's number one priority should be figuring out how they can keep Paul George before they, they try to add <sighs> anything else. But.
1: I, I'm enjoying this time where there's still a chance that we'll keep Paul George come on, Paul George isn't staying. He's going to L.A. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him for going to L.A., especially if LeBron goes to L.A. Uh, yeah. I think that I I would be honest, as much as I would love having Paul George here, obviously him leaving our team makes us a worse basketball team. But if like Paul George to, to L.A., and for him to have a chance at a title maybe, that, that would be cool. I like Paul George a lot, and that would be a great opportunity for him. So uh, if it happens, and it's supposedly definitely happening, Uh, no, uh, no hard feelings, Paul.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I think it's, uh, time to move on from the NBA and talk about a different sport that just crowned its champion. And that is the NHL with the Stanley cup going to the Washington capitals for the first time in their team history.
1: Yeah, it good for them, you know. Uh like we said before both of these teams uh needed it. Well, both of these teams were kind of underdogs, if that's even possible to have two underdogs going up against each other. Uh and Ovechkin gets to put that toothy grin uh right next to the uh the big cup trophy there, the uh, Stanley Cup. So he's uh, you know, I like happy for DC. They've broken the drought.
0: Yeah i don't like the capitals like i so as a penguins fan i have very much been big into the the penguins capitals crosby ovechkin rivalry and the when you look at the stats you can make an argument that ovechkin is the best player in the league but crosby had the cups Ovechkin never had the playoff success he finally won a cup you know good good for him he he was unbelievable this postseason can't deny that 24 games 15 goals 12 assists very much deserving of the uh the Conn Smythe trophy for the the MVP of the playoffs and you know it good good for DC sports fans good good for Capitals fans like finally seeing this championship I I didn't oh I guess I hoped that it never would happen. I think I got used to Washington constantly being bounced in the first or second round no matter how good they were in the regular season. Um they they finally did it. They they knocked off the Penguins for the first time. They reached the Stanley Cup finals for the first time and then from there it's just not surprising that they would beat uh of all teams an expansion team, the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, I bet they were really happy that that if they were going to be uh, going up against somebody in the, you know, in the finals, that it was an expansion team. That's like a stroke mm-hmm. of luck right there. But I I think that I mean obviously this is really good for the Caps, but it's also just good for the NHL. I mean, what an exciting finish to have an expansion team in their first year, you know, contend for it all, and then that, uh, have a, a long tenured competitive team finally break their uh, championship drought. Uh, I mean. That That's a satisfying finish for any neutral fan. So uh, I think that the the real winners here were just the people, well, obviously the real winners are the Caps, but yeah. I think that uh, this is, you can compare it to the NBA where the most important series of the year uh, seemed kind of forgettable uh, versus this uh, was a climactic finish to a uh, really exciting postseason season.
0: Yep. So, uh, and uh now that now the capitals are doing lots of celebrating uh you know oveshkin has been uh it very much like drinking anything like out of the cup that he can just partying for you know four or five days straight now like what are your thoughts on uh the the capitals like celebration
1: I mean do your thing it it, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Eagles celebrations at like just being as belligerent as possible and uh, <laughs> just really soaking it all in. And, and honestly, um, although I've noticed there are way more caps fans now than I, than I realized there were before, but I'm sure that the real caps fans who've oh, been okay. in, out there sh- suffering for a long time are, uh, you know, really loving this right yeah, now. So yeah. They've earned right.
0: it. There are all, all these, these, caps fans coming out of nowhere because it's just okay so i'm gonna kind of sidetrack for a little bit here um i when it comes to sports teams that i root for uh i've been pretty lucky when it comes to championships so 2004 uh that sometime around summer 2004 i don't know the exact date uh that was when i like really started taking interest in sports when i started to really care about teams. I started to watch Sports Center every morning and like really wanted to know what was going on in the sports world. And in that time uh, the past now 14 years, I've seen the Red Sox win three World Series, the Penguins win three Stanley Cups, the Steelers win two Super Bowls, uh, the Celtics won a championship, Tar Heels three basketball championships and the Lady Gamecocks my senior year uh, won a title. that's 13 championships. In 14 years but on the flip side all the teams that i hate uh so we're just going back to 2004 um so the patriots three super bowls lebron's heat and Cavs team three nba finals the yankees and the cubs both won world series the ravens added a super bowl duke two national championships clemson one. hockey was the one sport where the penguins won three titles and i like I never really had a, a hated team do well because the Capitals were always losing in the playoffs. They, they finally got it. The NHL is letting me down. And, uh, I don't know. I know it's hard. I'm sure for other people who don't have the same kind of, uh, championship success that I have had complaining about other teams also winning a championship. Um, yeah, what yeah.
1: I, I'm not sure if you can hear. It. I'm not sure if the mic is picking it up, but I, I am playing the world's smallest violin for you over here, Corey. Yeah. Because <laughs> while, yeah, it sucks when your when your uh, rival f- franchises take home the title. It 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 truly does hurt. You also have a lot of titles that you were a true fan <laughs> for, and and I know you as a, as a sports fan. Uh, you really do follow the teams that you, you know, that you have aligned yourself with. And those are the people that really get the payoff from the championships. And and the people who have experienced the lows get the, get the highest highs. And there's plenty of people who, you know, Maybe they're even from D.C. and they're like, oh, wow, the Caps are in the in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs and they're winning like they're it's two to one. The series uh, time to become a Caps fan. And then <laughs> yeah. when they win it, they're like, yes, we did it. But it's not nearly the same level of just uh, ecstasy that you get from having aligned yourself with this team for so long and just wanting them to. to you know, almost feeling like you're a part of them, uh, to, to feel them accomplish it all. Uh, it's, it's just an unmatched feeling. So, uh, yeah. well, yeah, it sucks when you are the lows of your rivals winning are low. Um, it doesn't, it, 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 uh, pales in comparison to the highs of having your own team win at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the good news for me is, uh, with, with all the, the celebration going on, I think the caps Stanley cup hangover is going to last about three, four years. So I have, uh, you know, plenty of time before I have to worry about them being a national championship team again. Um, but, you heard uh, yeah. it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're so, they're going to 13th in the East. So they're not even going to show up until January.
1: So let's talk about this. Well, the, the obviously, uh, D.C. had their championship drought ended yep. uh, as a result of these Stanley Which Cup Which is playoffs. It's another
0: reason why it's disappointing is I feel like we kind of, like, we're starting to get into a bit of, like, dc sports failure like we brought it up across multiple podcasts and now we, we can't even go back to that anymore because the capitals won but RIP anyway anyway but yeah. there
1: there are still cities that uh have long-standing uh championship droughts
0: yep um, i think so there there are six cities um that have multiple sports teams that haven't won championships uh since 2001 so the milwaukee 1971 the bucks won that was their last championship cincinnati 1990 the reds world series that was their last minneapolis hasn't won since the twins in 91 toronto since the blue jays in 93 atlanta since the braves in 95 and phoenix since the diamondbacks in 2001 and looking at this list i don't know if there's a city where i'm like willing to guarantee a championship in the next few years. Um, I think if I had to give a a most likely, I would probably lean toward Minneapolis just because I think the Vikings are going to be one of the best teams in the league for the next couple of years. Uh came so close to making the Super Bowl this year. I think uh you know with adding Kirk Cousins to the mix, it'll be interesting to see if he's enough to put them over the edge this year. Um but I I think I would lean toward Minneapolis. But I also like Atlanta's chances just in the sense that I think the Falcons, you know, having made it to the Super Bowl two years ago, you can't, you know, write off their, their chances of getting back sometime soon. And they also have the Braves who finally are looking like they're, they're back to the team that, or have a chance to go back to a team that was constantly making the playoffs like they did in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, a lot of young talent there with number one prospect and Robert Acuna leading the way. So I do think Atlanta... Uh, very much could win a title very soon.
1: Yeah, I, I can echo your sentiment on Minneapolis. the The Vikings' defense is legit, and they got Kirk Cousins, who is basically like the QB to get in free agency this year. So, I mean, they they've done as much as they can to improve, and they got that far with Case Keenum. What can they possibly do with Kirk? You know, uh, mm-hmm. a slight upgrade. So, yeah, I guess Minneapolis. The NFL does have some parity, which means yep. that you don't you're not required to have one like one recently to win one. So I, you know, I guess a decent chance. Um, and I don't really know baseball, but I have heard good things about Atlanta. So I don't think it'll be their NFL team. Not while Matt Ryan is the quarterback. I think that, that, uh, emotional and mental scarring from the 28 three game is, uh, enough to block them out. Or at least, uh, that's what I think. I, I, I don't trust the Falcons in the postseason anymore. And, uh, so yeah, but all these t- I, yeah. honestly, all these cities, none of them look like they're about to end this. No. Crowd.
0: No, Milwaukee unless unless Giannis can somehow swing some of those top free agents to join him, I don't think the Bucs are winning anytime soon. Although the the Brewers are playing really well this year. Um I I do think that there could be some potential there in the same kind of way that the Braves could win, so I won't totally rule them out. Cincinnati, the the Reds aren't winning anytime soon. The Bengals, they haven't won a playoff game in twenty years, like let alone uh, come close to being a Super Bowl team. And then, did they
1: fire uh, Marvin Lewis?
0: No, they gave him a, an extension. Yeah, they they're not winning. They're no. not gonna end their job. No, <laughs> no. To, yeah, <laughs> Toronto. I uh, I mean, the Blue Jays came close a couple of years ago. The Maple Leafs haven't won since sixty seven. I I think they they might might be able to swing something. Austin Matthews looks like he's pretty good, but I don't I don't think Toronto's going to going to get one anytime soon. And then Phoenix, the the Diamondbacks are all right, but I don't think they're they're on the cusp of winning a World Series. The Suns are the worst team in the league this year. I think depending on, you know, how the draft goes and if they're able to develop some of their young guys, they could maybe get in contention, but the NBA, they're not going to all of a sudden become a title contender within the next 3 or 4 years. Um, and then, you know, the Cardinals, I think they, they missed their boat with, uh, Carson Palmer years ending. So, uh, yeah, I think I I would lean toward Minneapolis if I had to give one, but I I do think that some of these cities are going to be suffering for at least, you know, five or 10 more years. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I'm leaning towards Minneapolis, but I'm not leaning very hard. No. Um, all right. So moving forward, the, uh, justify, he became the just the 13th triple crown winner in history in how many years have they been doing this
0: so this uh goes back to the the first triple crown was 1919 so it, it has been 99 years of the the 13 triple crowns this is 150th belmont stakes now i know that uh originally back in the day the triple crown wasn't a thing i don't think it was first recognized until like 1931 but 13 Triple Crown winners in a century. This is not something that happens very often, um, but we did we did just see it a few years ago with American Pharaoh in 2015. Before that, the last one was Seattle Slough in 1977. So I think, I'm curious to see going forward, are we going to start seeing a little more often now that we've gotten two in the past four years? Uh, I know that, Growing up I was always interested in these races and you know wanted to see if someone was going to win the triple crown and it didn't seem like it was going to happen but now that it's it's happened twice I'm starting to think maybe we're gonna start seeing this a lot more um, i
1: mean what what is it about justify that made is it superior uh genetics is the jockey the best one i mean they certainly didn't I haven't heard the jockey's name once so Mike Smith. I'm not so Mike sure. Smith. He's actually Mike fi- Smith. Mike I Smith is the most, name.
0: yeah. Mike Mike Smith, <laughs> the most generic name you could have. Uh, he's fifty-two years old, oldest jockey to ever win the Triple Crown. So wow. Yeah, yeah. It was actually like a, a pretty noteworthy jockey, despite having a generic name. Um, Mike
1: Smith. Good guy. Mike gosh. Smith. Yeah. I, yep. <laughs> I've literally already forgotten his name. Yeah. Is, uh, wow. Oh, but but I guess okay. So d- I'm still going back to the question. What makes justify the like superior horse is there any sort of strategy there or is it just you, like, the best carrots and the yeah. best oats like what is
0: yeah so i i guess i don't know how is it the, luck i i don't know how it works uh i know that winning the triple crown the the cost that someone could have to pay to uh breed with justify is 75 million dollars so <laughs> oh. yeah he, he's a very expensive horse so i imagine that uh there's a lot of uh strong blood in him as well i don't know if he's related to past uh champion thoroughbreds but i i don't really know the you know how how horse racing like in terms of like training a horse to be a triple crown winning horse how that works but I, I do, in terms of strategy, I, there is a little bit of a, a potential scandal going on that another horse who was uh, the same owner as Justify uh, may might have been blocking some of the other horses. Uh, they're trying to say that that was not the owner's strategy, whether the it was just a rogue horse or the jockey was doing his thing without the guidance of the owner. No one really knows what's going on with that. Um but there, there has been some kind of thought that, there not necessarily foul play. I think the uh, the the jockey who said that, you know, it, there might have been some uh, coercion going on. Said I think regardless, Justify would have won. So I don't know why if it's necessarily a huge deal. But yeah, you know, and there that might have been part of the strategy is uh, having a. You know, the Justify was the Ricky Bobby with uh, this other horse was the, the Cal Naughton Jr. Shake but, and bake. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Shake and bake. Well, the, the thing that caught my eye, because normally I don't pay a whole lot of attention to uh, horse racing, but Rob Gronkowski got involved, even in yep. having a horse named after him, Gronkowski. Uh, and Gronkow- Ro- okay, So Rob Gronkowski and his friends, uh, they bet, I-, I think a few of them did this, but they bet $69.00. On June ninth, which was six nine, mm-hmm. with sixty nine to one odds, and just and Gronkowski came in second, just yep. behind our triple crown winner, and uh, as a result, as the owner of the horse, I think is what the relationship Gronkowski has to this horse. He took home uh, two hundred eighty thousand dollars in winnings. So yeah, uh, not bad, not bad for Gronk. I mean, come on, how like <laughs> what a perfect day for him.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, the only I know. way this
1: could have been better is if he somehow won that money coming in sixty ninth. Uh
0: yeah.
1: so he's, well, uh, G-
0: Gronkowski was in twentieth early in the race and he made a push and almost was able to catch Justify in the end, ultimately finishing second. Um but he was he was uh sick for the Kentucky Derby, so he wasn't able to run. Finally was able to run in the Belmont Stakes and of course the uh the whole six nine, June ninth date, that was something that very much appealed to Gronk, so uh, definitely cool that he had his his horse able to race, uh, just given that circumstance.
1: Yeah, good for you, Gronk.
0: Yep. Um, and a in addition to uh, you know the Warriors capitals and justify another champion that was crowned this weekend, Rafael Nadal, his eleventh French Open ties him with Margaret Court, who won eleven Australian Opens for the most. Um, victories at a single grand slam major and is there i don't know if there is any combination that rivals rafael nadal on clay the king of clay is almost unbeatable at the french open and it is mind-boggling just how good he is Um, yeah
1: it's crazy (laughs) um i mean I'm sure you've got the stats. It, it, his numbers yeah. are impressive on their own. They're almost ludicrous, really.
0: Yep. Yeah, 86-2 all time at the French Open. So since his first win in 2005, he won four in a row through 2008. 2009, he was upset in the, the uh, third? No, the fourth round. And then 2010 to 2014, he won it again every year. 2015, he had to uh, withdraw from his match in the third round before it started, so it doesn't count as a loss for him. 2016, he lost in the quarterfinals, but then the past two years, he's won it. So, 86-2. and And so, 2017 and 2018, he lost a total of one set, and that was in the quarterfinals this year to Diego Schwartzman. That one set in 2 years like every other one 3-0, 3-0, 3-0, nobody could get to him the, the final was 6 4 6 3 6 2 over Dominic Thame it's it's unbelievable just how good he is on masterclass at, yeah at Roland garros and uh so when i when i first started to take an interest in sports um you know i'd constantly see tennis highlights and kind of have an idea of what was going on in the tennis world and Roger Federer was always the dominant uh, tennis player so personally as someone who wasn't that interested in tennis but you know I kind of became a a bit of a tennis um, at least not necessarily a fan but an acknowledger uh, I started to root against Roger Federer because he was always winning I wanted someone else to win and Rafael Nadal was his like his main rival, uh, you know, 19 years old in 2005 when he won his first French Open and then started to dominate uh, winning other tournaments throughout his career. So Rafael Nadal is my favorite tennis player. So seeing him have all this success is very, very cool for me as a a casual tennis fan at best. um, You know, having the the one guy just dominating this one tournament every single year, it's just, it's unbelievable to watch and uh, i li- not
1: i like your terminology
0: as a uh acknowledge acknowledge <laughs> <laughs> i acknowledge that it's a sport i don't necessarily but i did watch the uh the french open final um so that that was definitely cool to to be able to watch that and you know see um, nadal win in, in you know live time
1: yeah, and I, I can definitely respect that level of domination, that level of consistency. To so be able mm-hmm. to show up against other professionals and dominate like that and not it's yep. no question is this man the best on clay. I mean just no. it, it's it's a certifiable fact. And uh I can respect that even if, as I, I would say I'm even, I'm a little, I'm slightly more casual than an acknowledger. Uh, but I definitely do acknowledge the sport and the skill that goes into it. And with that acknowledgement comes a lot of respect when you've got numbers like, uh, Rafael Nadal.
0: Yep. So 17 major championships, 20 is the record. Um, Margaret court who had the 11 Australian open titles. So we'll see if Nadal can catch that. He's 32 years old. So he, We'll see how much he has left in the tank. Um, But, you know, with that, I think we're ready to move on to this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right. So uh, this Sunday is Father's Day. If you remember a couple podcasts ago when Mother's Day had just passed, we did our top five TV moms. So this episode, we are doing our top five TV dads.
1: Yeah, and this one is in time to remind you that Sunday is Father's Day, so yes. make sure you remember to get your dad yes. something.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it'll, it'll be very close to uh, Father's Day when you, you're listening to this, but you know, hopefully you, you have the, that all, all straightened out ahead of time. So um, do you want to start things off, or should I start off this week?
1: Um, you know what? I'll go first. And, uh, at number five on my list, I have Timmy's dad, AKA Mr. Turner from Fairly Odd Parents. And, um, He's on my list not because he's very much of a model dad. In fact, he's actually a terrible <laughs> father. He's constantly leaving his son alone with a awful babysitter. But Timmy's dad is absolutely hilarious. He is a doofus in the highest extent. Uh, try he he competes with Cosmo. Um, they go toe to toe and seeing who can be the dumbest. Uh, but but it's always in a really funny way where he he finds a way to have this like silliest or like just. Numb skullist impression of the current situation, Um, and uh, and I and I it never fails to get a laugh from me. Uh, And also, his name is Timmy's dad. (laughs) Like you can't get much more dad than that.
0: Yeah, every every time that they try to give his name on the show, there's always like a like a truck that passes by or like some kind of loud noise. (laughs) So that is a, a very funny concept that they have. And I very much respect you, including Timmy's dad, uh, from a Nickelodeon TV show cartoon um, on your list at number five, because my number five, also from a Nickelodeon cartoon from the, uh, the 2000s, is Hugh Neutron, the dad of Jimmy Neutron. And uh, for me, I think, you know, like Timmy's dad, Hugh is absolutely hilarious I I do think he's a much better father in the sense that he's always looking out for his son, Jimbo. Um, It kind of blows my mind how Jimmy can be so smart with his dad being such a a whack job. Um, (laughs) You know, the the guy, he's obsessed with ducks. He uh, is very much nowhere near as smart as Jimmy, but he very much loves his son. He loves his wife, Judy, and... You know, while Jimmy's constantly out, uh, he's doing a lot of things to you know save the universe, save planet Earth. Uh, going back to the the original Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius movie where the Yokians took over the planet. Hugh even had his own shining moment uh, in the the end of the second season, the the uh, three episode special Win, Lose, and Kaboom. Uh, Retroville, the the kids, so Jimmy, Cindy, Carl. Uh, she and libby they were they received some some uh message on a rock and discovered that they were part of an intergalactic game show where the loser had their planet destroyed and at the very end uh, when the earth needed a savior and jimmy was on a uh who wants to be a millionaire style tv show he used hugh as a lifeline who had been spending his entire time while the you know that this game show was going on, watching uh, soap operas of this this planet, and was able to answer a question related to to the shows that he'd been watching and save Planet Earth. And uh, if that's not the the, the feel good story of that that game show, then I don't know what is. Uh, gotta gotta love hugh neutron
1: i love your inclusion of hugh neutron because he is a great dad especially the way that he still tries to be able to teach jimmy lessons despite jimmy being so like genius smart um Mm -hmm. yeah and and his love of ducks knows no bounds Uh, i'm i'm very i'm very on board for your inclusion of hugh neutron
0: yep all right
1: so, yeah, my number four on my list is Ray Barone, I believe is how you pronounce it, because I always just call them Ray Romano. And basically, <laughs> that's why I included him on my list. Obviously, Ray Bar- Barone is Ray Romano's character and the protagonist of Everybody Loves Raymond. And uh, I know that he's not exactly known for his father figure Uh, like, this character isn't specifically known as a father figure, but I am just a really big fan of Ray Romano myself. Uh, I think he's a really funny guy, and I kind of look like him. Um, so, but in this show, you kind of get a little bit more of the real side of being part of a family. The, the, uh, Barone family is constantly bickering, and, uh, but, and, and if you looked at it from a realistic standpoint, they're actually pretty dysfunctional uh but the way that the show portrays it and the way that ray romano acts it out and the way he says his things is always hilarious uh so and uh and for that ray barone makes it to number four on my list and his job in the show is a sports writer uh so he does he has a great excuse to sit on the couch and watch tv a lot which i respect way to way to game the system ray
0: yeah Yeah, I I haven't watched Everybody Loves Raymond in years, but it it was definitely a show that I I tuned into from time to time and uh, definitely a great choice, including him in your list. And uh, so I guess to kind of keep with some of our similarities, my number four is also a character who or a so yeah, a character who the actor plays a character of the same name. And that is uh, George Lopez from from George Lopez. And uh, if you remember the TV moms, I included his mom, Benny Lopez, in my top five. And part of the, the thought with Benny was that she was a kind of an abusive mother to George. Well, George, based on his experiences in his childhood, is a a very loving father. And uh, I think that, you know, throw in the just like the humor of that show and like the, the humor that he brings, you know, with his his uh ways of raising his kids and you know wanting them to have a great life, wanting his family to have a great life, which a lot of that just based on his, his own experiences of not having that. I think that makes him a great father. Um while also still just being a, a hilarious character, you know, is it I got this <laughs> 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 Uh just like the, the various other other uh you know things that he goes into. He's a big sports fan himself. Um you know he, he uh Big Dodgers fan, big Lakers fan, being in LA, so uh, that you know, got I definitely have a, a lot of love for George Lopez. That was uh, one of my favorite Naked Night shows to watch when it Agreed. they started playing it there.
1: Agreed. And and he is a good dad. And I I like the way that you phrased it too. He kind of took his childhood and and all the things he didn't like about his childhood and kind of flipped it over and said, I want to give my kids something better. And even though sometimes his kids can be ungrateful, I think any kids Mm -hmm. can. Uh, George, I mean, especially with the way that they include his the, where he works uh, in the show, like it really is important for him to be the the provider for his family and to give his kids a better life. Uh, what and being hilarious along the way uh, with the, the catchphrases and the uh, yeah. like. So I I I fully endorse your selection of George Lopez as number four on your list. Uh, moving forward, the similarities uh, yeah. just keep
0: on rolling in as yeah. we
1: both have Homer Simpson of the Simpsons as our number three
0: yep uh i you can't have a top five list of t v dads without having Homer and yeah you know, another example of a father who yeah may maybe not the the greatest father uh very known for for choking out his son Bart. Uh, <laughs> and being drunk all the time yeah being drunk all the time you know he's uh very very much a dysfunctional family are the simpsons but you know god he he's such a funny character and I think that whether you love the simpsons or not everyone knows who homer simpson is and i think everyone really uh you know respects him as a a cartoon character
1: yeah so. and, and dad's love sitting on the couch and homer and the and the couch is uh an iconic duo yep so it's uh yeah you can't not you you can't not have Homer on this list and as, as there's like kind of a theme in a lot of shows where like the father figure is somewhat of a provider uh and mm-hmm. Homer definitely holds it down. Homer has had hundreds of different jobs on the Simpsons through his time in the 29 seasons I believe they had yeah, at this point. For a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um Definitely a family man willing to go do literally anything to uh you know get the bag for his family. So Homer Simpson, yep. an iconic TV father. Uh so moving forward to my number two is uh this one was tough not to put it number one. Uh for me it's uh Philip Banks, aka Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And this one is really like I'm picking him because not only is he a lovable guy and a, and a uh you know just a, a memorable character, he's truly a father figure, one of the most uh impactful father figures that I've ever seen on television uh, I mean everybody knows about will Smith's character's relationship with Uncle Phil and basically being the father that will didn't have and and I mean seriously like I mean a lot of sitcoms are a little bit hard to take seriously because they are so uh you know they're they're not very serious but the scenes where Uncle Phil helps Will uh kind of get over being abandoned by his his father um I mean it hits you right in the feels man and 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 while Will Smith has it, does a great performance there we all know that uh, Will Smith is a legend you couldn't have had the, that, the, the impact wouldn't have hit as hard if it wasn't for the amazing acting of, uh, of Uncle Phil as well. He's a true family man uh, and an inspiration to fathers everywhere.
0: Yeah, Uncle Phil, definitely a great choice, um, including him here at number two. I, I never really watched Fresh Prince a whole lot. Um, otherwise, I'm sure I would have had him very high on my list as well uh you know that he's he's a very much adored character you know j cole's no role models he starts yep. it off first things first rest in peace uncle phil of course the uh the actor passing away a few years ago um but de- definitely a, a solid choice and a, a just all around great father great tv character but also a great father and you know great father figure for will smith agreed um my number two is the the uh classic model of a single dad and that's danny tanner from full house so his wife pam tragically passed away in a car accident so he's forced to raise his three daughters by himself uh he does have a little bit of help from uh uncle joey and uncle jesse but he very much in terms of being a father he's the the sense of uh right and wrong in the world he he's a just and in a great character in himself on the show. Of course, the great Bob Saget plays Danny. Uh, Full House is so many people love that show. I, in my opinion, it is the best Nick at Night show to uh, you know ever play, and uh, always you know has great great stories, great life advice. I think that you know Uncle Joey brings some of the humor. Uncle Jesse's he is that cool guy on the show, but. Uh, you really you need the, the Danny Tanner to really bring that together and make Full House as great of a show as it is just in the everything that you kind of learn from it, all the different teachings and just the, the reasons why we keep coming back for more. You can't have that without having a Danny Tanner and, you know, the the father that he is for his three daughters.
1: Yeah, no, ag- agree. You you really you really said it perfectly there. I mean, he's just an absolute icon, especially uh, for the unconventional family that he finds a way to, uh, you know, be the moral compass for. Um, so, I, I, I definitely a good addition here. Plus. Full House, such an iconic sitcom. How can you yep. not include yep. the dad from uh, from Full House? So rounding out the list here at number one, and this is why this is my list uh, of my top five, because this one is specific for me, Hank Hill of King of the Hill. And when I was growing up, because King of the Hill had been on for a long time, uh, it I always thought that Hank Hill literally was my dad in cartoon form. <laughs> right down to the body shape and even the the glasses. I mean, Hank Hill is my dad. Uh but he has there's so much to like about Hank Hill. He's a, kind of a simple man. He's a hard worker. He's a true American and he's a he's a family man. He uh he he has a sense of what's right and wrong to him. And then he goes out and tries to live it, live his life that way. Um, and one of the funniest things about that is the way that he has to interact with his son because his son is such a weirdo goofball. Uh, and Hank is so, so, uh, straight edge and, uh, and kind of dry humor. It's uh, it's such a wonderful relationship to see him be the father uh, for young Bobby. And I saw a lot of that with my own relationship with my father, where he was kind of the same thing, kind of stonewall, uh, kind of dry, uh, mixing with a little bit more of my, you know, uh, bubbly personality yeah. <laughs> and seeing the way that he handles that. So uh, I identified with a lot about uh, Hank Hill and, uh, and Bobby Hill. So Hank holds it down at number one on my top yeah, I five think it, TV dads.
0: <laughs> You you have a, a great personal reason to include him number one, but I think when you're talking cartoon dads, Hank Hill is the stereotypical cartoon dad. Like he he hits it all. He gives you the humor, but he gives you just yeah, this is a dad. And like you said, he's just relatable. Like this is my dad, but as a cartoon character. So I, I think oh have yeah. an ex- excellent choice putting him at number one.
1: And yeah, let's not forget about all the beer. That's yes. it, the way yeah, that Hank course. and the guys drink beers in the alley. That is so dad.
0: Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, great, great choice for you. My number one, this was an easy choice for me. uh, A show that I consider one of, if not my favorite comedy, like sitcoms of all time. And that is uh, That 70s Show and the dad, Red Foreman. Red, he's not necessarily the greatest dad in the sense that he's pretty hard on his son, Eric. uh, And of course, Eric's friends. But, you know, back in the 70s, Maybe wasn't as bad, you know, constantly calling your son a dumbass, and you know the way that he was like really really hard on them, and it was all on a loving way uh but I think just the the humor that he provides you know he he has his his moments with his anger management issues uh but you know he's a war vet he he's someone who just he's he's a great working man, just your your typical uh you know nineteen seventies dad and that this, that seventy show has a great cast of kids, but it really, uh, having a father like Red Foreman on the show, who he's not like some of the other dads on this list where he's like this, this wacky goofball, just like some some drunk guy all the time. He He's someone who he kind of, he brings humor in the sense of the fact that he's not a funny guy. And uh, you don't necessarily want him as your dad if you're, you're Eric Foreman, but being able to watch him uh just the the way that he he parents his kids and the the way that he uh just adds the the humor via the the ter- tearing people down um i think that that red foreman yeah
1: yeah i i <laughs> i i definitely get that sentiment that like maybe he's not the dad that you want but that's the thing about dads you don't get to pick them Red Foreman is, like, one of the things I liked about Red Foreman is it seemed like he was almost plucked from real life. Like, I identify with the experience that... the, the the friends that came over experience because <laughs> being afraid of red Foreman was like a very normal re- reaction to him because yeah. he is so tough and no nonsense. And I definitely had friends who had dads like that where you go in there and it's, yeah. it's, there's no goofing around. He is the, uh, you know, no nonsense, stick a foot up your butt kind of guy. And, yeah. uh, And and I, that's what I think makes him so likable is you look at him and you say, that's not only is that hilarious, but also I've seen that guy in real life.
0: Oh yeah. No, I think everyone has, has a a friend like that who has that, that dad that is very intimidating and Red Foreman that he is the, the stereotypical intimidating dad. Um, and you know, just, just loving that show. It was easy for me to, to love him and put him as my number one.
1: Great list. Corey, you've done well here.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely a, another fun top five for us. So with that, we can kind of get ready to wrap up our, our show. And I do have a, a few things that I want to talk about. So I don't know if there's anything on your mind, Ben, that you want to kind of get out of the way before we wrap things up.
1: I'm interested in hearing what you have to say.
0: All right. So so the first thing, um, we have been getting new podcasts out about every two weeks uh, we're gonna have a little bit of a break. It's probably gonna be another three, maybe four weeks. We get the next one, um, where we're probably going to, you know, talk about the World Cup and you know NBA free agency coming up. But the SB Awards are coming up July 18th, hosted by Danica Patrick. ESPN is going to be uh, announcing the the nominees for the different categories. You know, whether you know best team, best game, best play, best male and female athlete. And uh, Ben and I are going to kind of look over that list and talk about, you know, some of our our favorite moments of the past year, kind of give our our predictions, our, you know, make our arguments as to who we think deserves some of those awards. Um, so definitely looking forward to, to that podcast coming up. And uh, so to kind of step away a little bit from sports, but not totally, uh, I do want to kind of go into a little pop culture so i am you know my my guilty pleasure that i'm not afraid to admit i love is the bachelor series um and we are we are into the bachelorette this uh we are now three episodes in um and the so i'm about to give a spoiler uh we're about to wrap this up so if you are uh not a you know, if you haven't been caught up and watched the the third episode for from Monday, June eleventh, now is the time to kind of tune us out. But uh, for for everyone else, so this this episode, um, so actually, th- th- so this season includes two NFL players, two former NFL players, kind of. One of them, k- kind of a current player. He's a free agent, um, but that is tight end Clay Harbor, who uh, spent a lot of time with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, 2010 to 2015, bounced around a little bit since then, had some injury concerns. He spent all year with uh, 2017 with the Saints on IR. Um, but he he was a contestant on the show trying to win the love of Becca, who was the bachelorette this season. And in the, the third episode, one of the group dates was a football game, and this is a chance for Clay to you know really show off. And you know, they're going through the drills, and he's just like totally dominating all these compared to everyone else. Like, it's clear that this is an actual NFL player amongst just random dudes. Uh, and then they, they play the game, his team falls behind 21 to 7. He's not really trying to show anybody up, but at the same time, he's like, I'm not gonna lose this. So he has this big interception, uh, leads to a touchdown, which a pass that he throws. And then with 30 seconds left, he has a rushing touchdown uh, to tie the game as time expires. But some unfortunate news. During the game, he suffered a wrist injury. Um, he won the, the group date rose from Becca. Becca loved him. Uh, but because of his injury and the fact that you know he gets paid to play football that's his career he had to leave the show to to get his hand taken care of and I'm very disappointed because I was really hoping for this NFL guy to win Um, really really became a big Clay Harbor fan so I'm hoping that he's he's healthy and a team gives him a shot this year we'll see Um, but that's just me kind of kind of talking about the bachelorette i don't know if we're gonna have any other updates about that going forward
1: (laughs) (laughs) what a tragedy for this guy yeah
0: yeah i know and so you know clay harbor uh you know we'll see what happens with him in the nfl this year but there are some rumors that he will be part of bachelor in paradise this summer so hopefully this isn't the last chance we see for him to find love uh and hopefully it's not the last chance we see for him to uh make it on an nfl roster so So with that, I think now we're ready to close things out. Do you, uh, any, any final thoughts, Ben?
1: Uh well if you're looking for something else to listen to in our uh the, the next few weeks while we take a short hiatus you can check out my podcast it's called Affable Chat you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, and your favorite podcasting app. Uh we talk about movies, we talk about music, we have interesting conversations. Uh so check us out. That's my that's my plug.
0: Yeah, definitely a great podcast. I uh, highly recommend it if you're if you're really into music and movies or if you just enjoy listening to Ben talk. Um you know, your latest podcast is on solo, a Star Wars story. Um yes, definitely there, yeah. So. A lot
1: of things went wrong and a lot of things <laughs> went right in that movie, and uh you can hear us break it down in our latest episode.
0: Yep, so that's affable chat, A F F A B L E. Ben, tell the listeners what affable means.
1: It means friendly, lighthearted, and that's the type of conversations we try to cultivate on the show. I think we're we've done a pretty good job of that over our first nineteen episodes, and we're gonna keep we're gonna try to keep going.
0: All right. So, yeah, definitely check out Affable Chat. Keep checking out the Ben and Corey podcast. And uh with that, thanks, everyone.
1: I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in
0: the chemicals. Yeah.